everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dishes and Dime. We are back at it again like we never left. Uh, this is no succession two-year break, Stranger Things two-year break. <laughs> uh, I guess this is our equivalent to that. My name is Iman, and I am joined by Yasmin and Sandy today. What is up, ladies? Not much. Um watching about like the worst outcome for the finals <laughs> that I could envision. <laughs> I was talking to my brother and we were like, yeah, literally every series went the complete opposite way that we wanted. <laughs> um, culminating to this, well, at least for the Eastern Conference. So um, now we have the Boston Celtics in, in the NBA finals. And, you know, it, it's, it's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you're into that sort of thing. If you're into that sort of thing, I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, what about you guys? What are your, what are your thoughts? Sandy, what's up? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, um, hi guys, by the way, I uh, haven't been on the pod for a while. Uh, they, um, you know, things have happened, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, missed y'all. Um, you know what? Like for me, the Warriors are probably like the least annoying team that could have made the finals. So I'm not really mad about that. And yeah. Um, they win, then it really just props up the 2019 Raptors. So I'm Warriors all the way. Let's go, Dubs. Um, the Celtics being in the play in in the finals is like disgusting to me. I'm like, this is like I, I was saying on Twitter the other day. It's like a sleep paralysis nightmare. I just <laughs> <laughs> all possibilities. This, this why do I have to watch the Celtics not only make the finals, but make the finals in their coach's first year, which is kind of mimicking the Raptors and on top of, um, you know, and the Warriors at that. And the fact that uh, their defense is being compared to the 2019 Raptors also pisses me off. So literally, whatever the Warriors have to do to win, I need them to win. Okay, (laughs) I am not dealing with the Celtics championship. They have milked that 20. the the 2008 2008 championship to the brim to the limit and i cannot bear them getting another championship while i'm alive so uh go warriors (laughs) i'm i'm obviously i'm team go warriors too i'm actually working on a stuff piece that should be out later on this week um but beyond that i kind of okay so i've been saying this all season where i'm like the east is flawed and it turns out the west was flawed too we could talk a little bit about the Phoenix Suns flaming out in the second round. But both conferences, at the very least, the Eastern Conference felt very fraudulent to me. I thought the Warriors and the Suns were the two best teams, but I have some questions about the Warriors and the Suns watching this playoffs. I have major questions about both of those teams. But I, So I kind of like, okay, I don't like that the Celtics made it there. I think, you know, the, the Celtics are, are like, they're not a perfect team. We saw them go seven games against the Milwaukee Bucks without Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday, like I saw Drew was a lot of the Bucks fourth quarter offense, which is not a thing that you necessarily want. Um, and they weren't able to like went seven games there. And same thing with the Miami Heat. It came down to the final moments. I will maintain forever, just like I will maintain if Lowry did not foul out a game seven of the Raptor Celtics series in the bubble, they would have won. I will maintain forever. That if um, that Max Truce three that should have counted counted, 
we might have a different finals, actually. I truly believe that we would have had different finals. We wouldn't have seen Jimmy take the shot that he took. Also, that three should have counted. Also, just to go on a little rant here, and I, I tweeted about this. It's so frustrating to me. If a referee, there's so many illegal things that happen in a game, right? How many times do we see a center just camped out in the paint much longer than three seconds? How many times do we see um, someone double dribble or someone travel with the ball or all sorts of things that are technically illegal? Some guy pushing off just to get some more space to take his shot, right? Like all these things happen throughout a game multiple times. And if the refs don't catch it and there's no like review call or play challenge or anything like that, it's just a basket and we let it go. Why then is an out of bounds something that's so egregious that there's a different rule where a replay can happen long after that play finishes? That doesn't make sense to me. If I can't do it with the travel call, if I can't do it with the push off, if I can't do it with three seconds in the paint, if I can't do it with any other bad call, missed call, egregious mistake, whatever, then why should I be able to do it with an out of bounds? It doesn't quite make sense to me. I don't understand the mix up in the rules there. I think there should be some consistency. Um, but the reason why I kind of like the Celtics, I don't like, I, I don't hate it. It's not the worst thing in the world to me is because I keep likening it back to the Toronto Raptors. And one, what I'm seeing through this playoffs is the Raptors are not that far off. These teams are very, very fraudulent. And part of that, and I think I saw was tweeting about this the other day. Part of that is the fact that the play-in tournament exists. So teams have um, built themselves up to believe that they're better than they are, meaning they're not trading their fifth and sixth best players and their fifth and sixth best players will be the seventh and eighth best guys on a lot of these other contending teams and better rosters so when watching these games it's like a lot of these teams really only have five or six playable guys that might have normally had a seven or eight man rotation they could go deep in the playoffs now they can't because the bottom barrels of the team are hoping to make the play in and possibly even make a playoffs um so I find that really interesting, but the Celtics are not that far off from the Raptors. I look at what they're at right now and I'm like, why can't this be the Raptors in a couple of years? Like, why can't this be the Raptors in 2024 or even 2023, depending on how things break out and how things shake out? So I'm not too, too upset by it, but I am Warriors all the way. Yeah. And um, watching game one, I remember watching it, even when the Warriors were up 10 points and I'm like, Boston's a better team, <laughs> like watching it. I, I just like, they just looked better. Um, they, I, even when the Warriors were up, I'm like, it's not going to last. Like even into the fourth quarter, they were up 10. And I'm like, this doesn't look good. Like Boston is clearly the better team. Like their passing is just more crisp. Their um, defense is so much more uh, synchronized. Um, they just look more ready uh, for finals basketball. And like, it, I hate to say this, but like in today's NBA, Steph as your number one guy, I don't know. Like, obviously he's one of the greatest point guards of all time. That's not a, that's not the issue. But like in today's league where you do have the emphasis on big wings that can trap him and give him issues and stuff. Like, I think you saw it play out. Like Jalen Brown went crazy and it was like um, the, the chemistry between their, their wing duo in Jalen and Jason. It's not something that the Warriors backcourt, I feel like, can counteract. Like, when your best players on the opposing team can uh, defend your backcourt as well as dominate your frontcourt, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like the Boston Celtics are kind of like exactly what the um, what teams are trying to do and trying to make sure that their best players are 
at least one of the biggest guys on the court or among the bigger guys on the court. And the warrior style is kind of like a a very um, polished version of, you know, kind of 2015 to 2017 basketball or 2014, 2017 basketball. And I'm like, um, can that, like, obviously they've made it to the final, so they've done something right. But, you know, as with Boston, there are a lot of injuries and stuff along the way. Like, can they replicate this next year? I don't think so. I don't think either team can. Um, uh, but obviously every year when teams go to the finals, things have to break right for them in terms of health and whatnot. No team is exempt from that. But um, if you're talking about a contention window, then obviously we got to look at those things. Like, can they replicate this next year? I don't think so. I don't think either team can. But um, at the same time, I think that Boston looks like just the better team. Why they just look like the better team. <laughs> and I think it's very interesting that they're daring Steph to win the series. It's like if if you guys are going to win the series, it's going to be Steph carrying this team on his back because um, a lot of the younger players look very nervous. You have a Jordan Poole that's played spectacular the whole season. And now that he's in the playoffs and he's in the finals, he's, he's look, he looked a little shaky in that first um, game. Do I think that Steph's going to be able to win it? Uh, on his own, I do not think so. Um, Clay looked, he completely has disappeared. Um, you know, so who are you really depending on to be that second guy that's going to help Steph? And I, that's what I, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was very interesting. Um, I don't, you know, the 2019 Raptors were chasing Steph around the floor. Fred was like killing himself, chasing Fred, um, Steph around the floor. um, trying to limit him, his, his shots, period. And I mm-hmm. didn't necessarily see see that especially in the first half of the of the game they literally just let Steph shoot and he shot the blood out that ball and the Celtics still won that game so I I agree I know I agree with what both of you guys are saying here's the thing I don't think it's so much Steph I think you can still win with Stephen Curry as your best player I think Steph is still like we saw that in the first quarter you cannot play a drop against Stephen Curry you just can't do it you need and Yasmin talked about it, trapping him, getting the ball out of his hands. And that's kind of how Stephen Curry beats you. He forces you to want to play four on three versus wanting to play one on one, right? He forces you into doing that. But in order for that to be successful, the other guys on the court need to be better. And so to me, it's less about Steph not still being the best player on the court. Because we saw if you allow Steph to have room, if you play Steph in a drop, (laughs) he will absolutely scorch you if they continued to play the defensive coverage that they did in the first quarter throughout the rest of the game we would not even be talking about this like it's close we're saying oh the Warriors in four because what on earth are the Celtics doing but to me so it's more so about we're seeing Draymond can't shoot Draymond can't shoot for shit Kavon Looney can't shoot for shit if you're playing multiple shooters and they need a Kavon we saw him in the third quarter how helpful and how useful he was to get them those extra offensive boards to get him to get them the second chance points. I think that's probably the only set that they actually beat the Celtics in were second chance points. Um, You need someone like Kevon Looney, but you cannot be playing multiple non-shooters with Steph because then the Celtics are totally fine playing four on three. Then they're totally fine doing it because who's going to beat you? Draymond? Kevon? It, like, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of the issue to me. And Yasmin, I think you touched on it with the Celtics being the better team. To me, the reason why the Celtics are the better team is they have more two-way players. They just have more guys who are not going to burn you. Sandy, you mentioned it. Jordan Poole 
what is what is he going to do in this series? He, he can't cannot play contain. He, he cannot, cannot contain the perimeter to save his at life. All, oh my goodness! It was so a like, play where Draymond you, was just looking at Jordan Poole. Like, what the hell? I will light you doing? up any day. Like, and it's uh, no, Draymond is on his team, but Draymond can still light him up any day. I'm not saying something, right? Like, it. It. The Celtics have way more two way players. I think that there is. Uh, I, you, I, you mentioned it to me. The the Clippers would be the best team in the league right now if they were healthy because those big wings really do help. And two-way players really do help. And that's something oh, that the absolutely. Warriors don't have. The right? the Warriors, all. <laughs> oh, the Clippers would the Clippers would destroy um but every team. But to me, that's part of the Warriors issue is they just have too many one-way guys. Like even I know there's a lot of talk about if you bring Gary Payton back, uh, if he gets healthy and he comes back, then you're not gonna see as many open shots for the Celtics because he's such a great perimeter defender. But it's like, but he's also a non-factor on the other end. And it just allows the Celtics to gang up essentially on Stephen Curry and force the ball out of his hands and force everybody because Clay is also not Clay, right? Like Sandy, I think you mentioned it there. So to me, it's more so that the Warriors other guys are not the Warriors other guys. And part of the piece that I'm writing about is looking back at the 2015 finals and the the Warriors were down 2-1 against the Cavaliers. And this is without Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving gets hurt in the finals and then Kevin Love is not there. And they're down 2-1. And the switch was they brought Andre Iguodala into the starting lineup. And why that worked and why the Warriors were able to essentially win out after that is because you now were playing their death lineup, essentially. You're playing a five out, five guys who can passively shoot. Andre Gudala was a person that they left open and he scorched them and can pass. And that's what you need. You need a bunch of playmakers and you need a bunch of shooters in order for the Stephen Curry lineup to work. And right now, looking at it, they have guys that are can either shoot the ball and they need Jordan Poole in the series. They're going to need his offense because they don't have enough of it from some of the other guys that they rely on. But then he hurts them on the defensive end and they have to play Draymond, but he's going to be hurting them on the offensive end because whoever else they play him with is probably also going to be a bad shooter. And it's just, it's, it's a pick your poison. And that's something that the Warriors have to deal with, but not so much something the Celtics have to deal with because the only bad defender on the Celtics is who Peyton Pritchard. Like, how many bad defenders exist on the Celtics? They can't play Daniel Tice. We saw that. He wasn't very great for them. But, and the Celtics have the ability to, once again, go small and do exactly what the Warriors want to do when they play their one big. And that's a lineup that absolutely destroyed the Warriors was when they just had Al Horford in there because Robert Williams looks a little bit banged up right now. And so, to me, this is just like, Steph is fine. Steph can win them this series. I truly believe in Steph. I think he's one of the greatest players we'll ever see in basketball. And like, I just think that I I think even to this day, and part of my piece is even to this day, I don't think we are truly appreciative of everything Steph does and everything that Steph brings. But looking at this rest of this Warriors team, they're not it. Having said that, I just watched the Bucks series. I just watched the Heat series. And those two series taught me to never trust this Boston Celtics team because, oh boy, do they play down to their competition at times. Yeah, that is true. Um, you know, you bring up a good point for Steph, but I feel like I feel like when you're mentioned, you're talking about defensive liabilities. He's one of them too. Like I don't he's know, not as I, bad as like pool. It's not as egregious, you know. Like there's some guys who are like, but there are, but but I feel like that's someone that Tatum and yeah, Dylan can sure. pretty easily match up against. So for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. I, when you kind of watch it, I remember just sitting down and watching it in the third quarter, and I'm like, this is not it. This is not a good matchup for um, 
the Warriors, but you write about Boston playing down to their um, competition. I feel like the war this is I, this is not going to be a quick series. I think it's six or seven games. I hope so. either side. I'm not saying Boston's going to win. It just because I think that they're a better team does not mean that I think they're going to win. The Warriors are far more experienced. The Warriors, I think, are more um, likely to have uh, just ridiculous shooting nights that might get them a game or two. Um, just nights where they're incredibly hot. There is a night that Steph might have like a historic game. Um, same for Clay, he might have one left in him. So, um, you know, who's to, who's to say? But um, it's just a it's a it's an interesting. Um, this is the exact dynamic that they want, and I hopefully we just get a good series because. These playoffs have not been it collectively. <laughs> a lot of people are saying um, that these these series have been kind of unwatchable. I feel like we've had a couple gems in there. I really enjoyed the Boston and um, the Boston and the uh, Bucks series. I thought that was pretty good. Um, but generally, it's been blowout after blowout, just mm. boring games where we kind of know the outcome one quarter in. Um, what do you what do you guys think is to there there has to be a reason. I personally think it's the the three-point era where yeah, teams sure. are just completely like just just a tsunami of threes consecutive. Like there are teams where one player will have six threes in the first quarter. That's just one guy. Yeah. And the other team is basically at a disadvantage for the rest of the game. Um with a very low chance of overcoming that um that uh that score. So I, I I think that's the that's the issue at hand, and it's going to become more common. There's going to be more games where the game is decided four minutes in. <laughs> and that's I mean that's entirely it. It's just that, like I'm going to look it up right now. So Sandy, I don't know if you want to say something. I don't know why I jumped in here. I'm trying to find some a stat right now. Yeah, I it's the this the playoffs have been so boring. Like I, I genuinely enjoyed the Toronto um, Sixers series. I'm biased of course, but I, I feel like even though the Raptors were at a disadvantage, you know, they fought every game. A lot of the games were close. Um, and that's kind of what I want to see. I don't want to see blowouts. I don't want to see, you know, just threes the entire game. Um, you know, particular, the particular teams, you know, like a Steph-led team, of course. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. But I don't want every series to be your main guy just hitting threes the entire time and having a 30-point lead. Like, that's not that's not enticing to me. What's the point of watching the playoffs if you know who's going to win five five minutes into the game? Like, there's there's no point. It feels like a regular season game. I, f- I felt like that, um, specifically during the Heat series, I was just like, why does this feel like I watching a game in the middle of like March. I there was nothing yeah game game seven was terrible. Game it was seven was terrible. So bad. It was so bad. So I don't know. I I don't know what the NBA is gonna do to kind of help mitigate that and, and make it a little funner to watch. I think the reason why also the Raptors have pretty great games is that they don't they're not really like a <laughs> they're not really uh 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 what do you call it three point heavy jump team, shooting no. heavy <clears throat> Yeah, they're not a jump shoot heavy team. And when they play other teams, they make sure they're not jump shoot, jump shot heavy either. So and no one is taking threes in, in the series against the or they're they're much more uh limited because I there are some Boston games where they're attempting like 45 threes and stuff like that. That's insane. And Boston's not even a particularly good three-point shooting team. They're like, not, they just spam them. They and they really do. And like, I mean, you have a game where Grant Williams hit what I mean game seven against the Bucks. Like, what was that? Al Warford 
honestly, I think like I can't believe we've gone this far without just like dedicating a whole segment to the greatest player in basketball this year. Um, Al Horford. I've finally forgiven you for breaking DJ Ford. But um, like it, to me, it's just like I was going through it just just to see, just to your point, Yasmin, to see some of the biggest blowouts, what the three-point discrepancy was. And of course, I start with the 50-point um Grizzlies basically win against the Warriors. And the Grizzlies shot for got made. Let me change my my words here. The Grizzlies made four more three-pointers than the Warriors in that game. So maybe not the best indicator. <laughs> There's clearly some other bad things happening in the water there, um, which is it's just wild. I was like, wait, the Warriors had 14 threes that game. That's not bad. Oh, no, that I watched not- that game. That game, the, the Grizzlies just, were just getting to the rim. with They, they were. Like, I, I forgot. Honestly, I forgot as I was going through some of the games as you guys were talking. I forgot how enjoyable the Grizzlies have been this playoffs. They've, like, Timberwolves, Grizzlies, my favorite series to this day. It was so fun and like so exciting to watch that series. And like the Timberwolves are going to be a really fun team going forward. And I think like if you like parody, this is the perfect playoffs for you. Yeah, you're going to get the big swinging games, but then it seems to go both ways, right? Like it's not like one team just absolutely dominating another. It's like they go back and forth and they switch. Um, so I, I don't know if you're reason. into I that. Say, kind of, I think that's, that could be another reason that teams are not at a huge advantage or disadvantage. I yeah. feel like every every series, the other side has had a chance. Even the Raptors Sixers series, we the Raptors, we, we you know, had, had a chance. chance in that, you know. So the I Raptors feel like- outplayed the Sixers in three of those games. And like the Sixers yeah. outplayed the Raptors in three of those games, and it happened to be a six-game series. That was it. And barring I mean, injuries, but yeah, it's, it's go ahead. Timberwolves, I was gonna say, I really hope it turns into a rivalry of some sort, just because the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. That was just a fun series to watch. I love Ant. I think he's like spectacular. His energy post game cracked me up the entire time. Like we need that in basketball, right? We need players that are you know friends and and you know there's a little bit of a rivalry. There's a little bit of heat there. Um, it makes the games more interesting. And who would have thought that the Timberwolves would have, you know, made a little run and made things interesting. Um, so I, I. They would if they listened to my pre-series preview with <laughs> David Naylor. Somebody was right. So I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies in the playoffs moving forward. Jazz spectacular. That kid is going to be amazing. Um we're seeing like Russ reincarnated. Um, so it's, I just, I'm super excited for the future of the NBA. I, I think they're a great representation of what's to come. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing is parody is what's to come. And that's like another huge thing is we're really seeing that the, you know, the play in tournament has brought about parody. There are teams that just believe they have a chance. And like I mentioned earlier, I think you're you're going to get less stacked teams. You're not going to have teams that can go 10 deep because that ninth, 10th, 7th, 8th guy, the 7th, 8th guy could be a 4-5, a 5-6 guy on another team, get paid more and be featured more. So you're just going to get less of these stacked teams and just more meh teams. And that, you know, if you're down for that, and my brain needs to readjust because there was that moment like prior to the big three era where like, this is what everybody wanted and everybody saw super teams and they were like, boo, this is ruining basketball. 
But then I got accustomed to being like, yeah, the best team is going to win the championship. It's the best team at the end of the day is going to win it. And that's not a point where we're at anymore. <laughs> like it because teams are so evenly matched, it really just becomes matchup based. It's not a given that the Warriors are going to win it or a given that LeBron James is going to win it or anything like that. It's really matchup based, except for the Los Angeles Clippers, if they can ever get healthy, because oh boy, that team could be very scary. Healthy, that team is going to be without their best players, that team was a little bit scary. It's going to be like a Bucks Clippers kind of thing. If Kawhi and PG come Sorry, back. Sorry, Bucks? Who are they? Never heard of them. <laughs> well, I, I, can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe that went to seven games without Chris Middleton. That's just insane. Like, that's I, not. Yes. The Celtics are not to be trusted. Like, here, here's my thing about the Celtics not to be trusted. Like, they might just win. They, we're recording this prior to game two. So who knows what happens? Like if the Warriors go down 0-2, that's it. It's done. It's not a long series in my opinion. Yeah. I just don't see it for, I I never want to count out Draymond Green and and Stephen Curry, but like they might just be old if they go down 0-2. Although I really hope not because my piece about Steph is about him doing this shit in the final. So Steph, please, for me, I need you to win. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) the, the Celtics are really not it. Like even looking at those series that like they, they won to get to this point. They needed massive, massive games from Garrett Williams. They needed ma- like, and not like a massive Al game Horford from Garrett Williams. Carried, oh like, like I haven't even gotten to him. But like, not even like a game where like he should like set like he, he turned into Ray Allen. Like it was like insane the shots that he was able to take and make. And like Al Horford was their best player. Al Horford has been their most important player. Al Horford has been their best player. Al Horford is exact like he has been it. For them, if the Celtics go on to win the championship, I need him to get the votes for Finals MVP. I need it to be a hundred percent. He's swung. He should have. I feel like he has swung more games than Tatum. There's oh, the best Tatum had twelve points. He had twelve he points has, in the last game. Like he I, has swung more games every series than Tatum. I feel like yeah, he should be I the agree. final. There, he should have been the Eastern Conference. A thousand percent. I agree. Thousand um, percent. Finals MVP. Absolutely. The LeBron James that. Award, or we're not calling it Larry Bird. Um, but it's like he—he's been like on the offensive end, on the defensive end. Their net rating when they just play him as a sole big there is absolutely. Like, he gives them everything. And looking at what the Raptors, and I think, Jasmine, you and I talked about this early on in the series on this pod here, is like, I kind of liken what the Celtics are doing to like what the Raptors can become, right? Like, I'm like looking at them as something that's in advance, but like a switch heavy defense. Obviously, the Raptors don't have, like, they can't, they don't have the ability. You need a versatile defense to win a championship because you're going to have to play drop if you go up against the Miami Heat, for example. And the Raptors just don't have that because they don't have a rim protector. Fine, Dandy. The Raptors are not exactly where the Celtics are. They also don't have their Derek White. They need to make some mid-season trades yeah, to have some more guys. That, yeah. There's a couple of things that the Celtics have. They're a few steps ahead of where the Raptors are. But Al Horford, to me, and this might be a piece that I write in this offseason, is like is is the is the thing that makes the entire Celtics team work. And it's not just because yeah. he's th- scoring 30 points in a game, but they, they needed that. And another thing that I have, I want to ask you guys, because I've really been sitting with this and I've really been thinking about this and I've been going back and forth with some Celtics people on this as well. Jason Tatum. I have a lot of questions about Jason Tatum. I get he's only 19 years old. He's got a long time, but (laughs) he keeps having these games. He's had, he has, people are like, he's good for one, a series. No, he's good for like two, a series. 
maybe even three if it goes seven games. Yeah, two, two and a stink, half. Two to like, three stinkers. He's, yeah. he's really, it's like, people are like, he's good for one of these a series. It's really been two and a half. Like, he might have a second half where he goes off or a first half where he goes off. But he will have two and a half of these a series and where he goes like three, 14. And there are going to be nights where Jason Tatum goes like 10 for 12 and somehow ends up with 40 points. And you're just like, holy crap, like what? Um, and I think in the Warriors game, he showed us what he can do with his passing ability, which was like, that was playmaking we've never seen. He had 13 assists. That was a career high from him. And there is like, obviously there's a benefit to that. If your shot isn't falling, yeah, give it to everybody else. Like his ability, his his willingness to go on and do that is great. Sure, dandy. But like role players don't always hit shots in on, on the road. And they don't always hit shots in the finals, these weren't a given and they were hitting wide open shots. Like the, the Warriors were not even out there contesting it, but like they're going to need Tatum to score and not just in this series, but moving forward as he is the face of this franchise. And people are talking about Tatum as like, you know, the next quote unquote American MVP, which I have a whole issue with. Cause like a lot of these oh, players brother. are. Oh, did you see that article that dropped? I have so many issues about that. Maybe that could be the next. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. I do have to get out. No, I never want an American to win again. Me either. Me either. But also, like, Joel Embiid is an American citizen. What are we saying that you can be an American citizen but still not be considered an American? That's understand What what we're saying here? Do you not see the issue? Um, Big AAU is paying these people off. Okay. Um, but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. So to me, it's like there, there is an issue with Tatum. Like if you, here, here, let me find a way to say this. Your main scorer, <clears throat> your primary option on offense needs to find better ways to diversify their offense because jump shots, you can be the best jump shooter in the world. Jump shots are high variance shots. Jump shots are low quality exactly. shots. They're not I- always going to go in. So they're going to be nights where Jason Tatum looks unstoppable. And let me tell you, when jump shots are hitting, that shit is pretty as hell. And there will be nights where Jason Tatum looks unstoppable. But there will also be nights where Jason Tatum goes three for 12 because those are not easy shots to take. And what else can you give us when that shot isn't falling? And I I pose this, and Celtics people, and fair enough, were saying he's gotten much better at getting to the rim. His numbers are not uh, what they used to be. Here's the thing. Here's and then they said that he might get this. to the rim. Finishing is another yeah, thing. Finishing. Say, you know the the numbers say that he does drive more than he did in the past. His handle is still not as tight as it needs to be because I do feel he's some 24. a little shaky. He's Twenty-four a little years shaky old. When he gets not a baby anymore. He's twenty-four, and he's 24. been. This has been a critique since he was like in college. Exactly. That he's like terrible finisher. And He's and 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 he's. I lost. think it's just his trait. It's just a thing now. And he you know? he doesn't like go there. Okay, I know that people hate the James Harden for foul baiting and all this other stuff, but it is a way to get your team points. There is a reason why James Harden led the league in scoring multiple times. There is a reason why James Harden is what the last American MVP. I don't know. I'm not going to go back and count, but there there's a reason why James Harden is what James Harden is, and it's. His ability, and I'm not saying Jason Tatum needs to be James Harden. Their games are not the same, but I'm saying the ability to get to the free throw line is another skill that Jason Tatum. Yes, Celtics fans told me he did improve. You look at the numbers, but I don't trust. In the same way that we're all Raptor fans here, we watched it when the Raptors' offense slowed down, when the Raptors could not get any looks. I trusted that DeMar DeRozan would get to the free throw line. If his shot wasn't falling, if he didn't have anything, and the Raptors needed a bucket, I trusted in his ability. 
to go attack the basket, draw contact, look for contact. And foul baiting is a skill. It's not one that Jason Tatum has. It's just not. He can get to the line better than he did in the past, but we're putting him in the upper echelon of forwards in this league. He is not in the upper echelon of forwards in the league of getting to the line. And he needs to be, if he's going to be the next quote unquote American who was born American because we don't believe because we're xenophobic or whatever. (laughs) I think I I heard, I heard someone put it really well talking about Tatum is that when we discuss him, we discuss him in like um, language that we'd use to talk about like LeBron James to talk about like Kawhi Leonard and stuff. Someone put it best where Tatum is like a really good Paul George I feel like, and I feel like that just kind of Ooh. explained it perfectly. Literally perfect. Paul, Paul George, George is a Paul really George good Paul George. But the thing is, Paul George, Paul George is prone to these exact same nights. George, yeah. This is his thing. Yeah, you know? that's fair. But Paul not, George also finished. He's, jumped, he's, three, he's a better finisher. He's, yeah. he's a great finisher. He's, um, uh, what do you call it? He's a great finisher. He's a jump shot heavy player. For sure. Um, he's not, like, he, he can be a great passer, but it's not the crux of his game. He's the For one sure. who's going to be doing the scoring. And I don't think Tatum is going to be a player that goes more better than um, top three in MVP voting. I think he's top. Yeah. He's totally possible. But like, there's just, there's just so many. Like his competition is really like the next generation of young players is absolutely it's, it's ridiculous. Super stacked, so, especially the international um, guys, America. And he's someone. He's 24, so he's going to always be alongside players like Giannis and stuff. Like it's just not. It's it's not his fault, you know. That's, so, that's very um, true. And another thing about his like when someone says that. Yeah, sorry. Go. Yeah, when someone said that to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, that just makes so much more sense to me. He's going to be a top 12 guy, top seven guy at best, but um, these, and his team could still win championships with him. For being, sure. You know what I mean? Like um, to, with having this kind of deficiency in his game. But yeah, it's just been, it's been a critique since he was um, a kid. So I feel like this is just a, a type, this is. is just the kind of player he is. Um, I do see him improving in his finishing. Who knows? He could improve in his finishing, but. Um, he has these bad habits of looking down when he's driving that he just can't get out of. Um, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I, I think it's just he who also he needs is. to like can he can he get stronger? Can he develop a post game? Like I know that Kobe is like he, he is Mamba mentality. He is from the the molds of Kobe. That is, he's literally dressing like Kobe did that did Kobe's practice with the Celtics in order. I don't know. That was such Kobe a reach. Games. We don't know these things. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Um, but. He's he's doing all of these things, right? So he's he's mama mentality. Kobe also worked out the mid post. That was Kobe's game. That's what Kobe did. That's how Kobe got his bread and butter. If the jump shots weren't falling, if that other stuff wasn't falling, Kobe went down low. Kobe operated yep. straight out of there. That's how Kobe got his points. That's what he would do if every and Tatum is not strong enough. He just doesn't have that. And I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's a lack of strength, but he has no post game. He doesn't have anything. He cannot operate out of anywhere. Right, so like he outside of the perimeter, and like it, it's just I, I need Tatum to be as good as the conversation about Tatum is because, and I get it because a guy like Tatum who can do what he does uh, like at an elite level is so fun to watch, and you see it, and like we talk about him as though he's still nineteen. We talk about what he can become. We talk about what he can develop into. We talk about all these different things, but at one point. We're talking about the player that's right in front of our face, right? And this was a conversation that really, for me, started back around the All-Star break, where everyone was like, of course Tatum is an All-Star. And let me tell you, Tatum in the second half of the season was first-team All-NBA. First-team All-NBA in the second half of the season was yeah. uh, one of the like the best guards out there. But, but in the first half, half of the season, he was not. <laughs> and we talk <laughs> about that? No, but and, and, and All-Star break counts your first half. 
And people were talking about him as though he was still this all NBA player because we know what he can be. Right. That's the conversation with Tatum is like, we know what he can be or we know what he is when he's at his best. But we, we don't have this conversation. To? To we, we, what other players do we know? The other player that gets that is probably the bad. people. People get no, slandered. No, doesn't even get that. Only from Miami fans. Only from Miami Maybe it's fans. just Heat fans. Maybe it's just Heat fans. But I yeah. feel like the only other player that is allotted that, oh, like, look at what he could be. Let's let's talk about his potential rather than the 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 player that we see in front of us and the skills that We don't even extend that to LeBron or Kawhi. And I want to say to to Tatum, I'm not, we're not just talking about his potential. I do want to say this because I think I did say not just his potential so people don't get mad. It's what he is when he's at his best, but he is not always at his best, right? And that's, that's kind of the issue where you, when we look at Tatum's season as a whole, yes, the second half was stellar. I will literally say he was first team all NBA in the second half. He was one of the two best forwards in the league in the second half of the season, but he was not good in the first half of the season. He could have been off of your all-star ballot and I would have been like, bet that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes because he struggled so much and the Celtics struggled so much and the Celtics struggled so much because of Jason Tatum. In large part because of Jason Tatum. And throughout the playoffs, we've seen the highs from Tatum, but we've also seen the lows from Tatum and the lows from Tatum come when he's not shooting very well. We saw in game one was a playmaking ability that he's never really shown in the past, like at least to this level and to this degree. And that's, that's exciting, but that's not something that, like, that's not something that we are banking on continuously. Show it to me again. And number two, like find ways to score, find ways to, to put the basket through the hoop when your jump shot isn't hitting. And whether that be free throws, whether that be drives, whether that be a post game, whether that be whatever it's going to be, it needs to be something because jump shots are going to fail you. And when he's on, he is on. There are few people in the league that do it better than him, but he's not going to be on all the time because of the nature of the shots that he takes. So what else are you giving us? And that's the thing, right? When we compare um, him to a LeBron or a Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi almost always has it on. LeBron almost always has it on. There, it's there's a very thing. little yeah. about their game that you can, you can like, attack because right? they're not so just jump shooters compare, ex- they're not just jump shooters. exactly exactly these guys so are elite if you're gonna compare finishers. them to a lebron and that's my whole elite thing post players like, he's incredibly talented incredibly talented you cannot take that away from him but if you're going to compare him to a lebron you're going to compare him to a Kawhi. there's a reason why those are the upper the upper echelon of the nba right the, they don't have a lot of um deficiencies in their game if you are a top player and you have a deficiency in your game, like a Tatum does, I think there has to be a conversation where we're honest about where he's at. And it doesn't mean that he won't develop into the kind of player that he needs to be to be one of those players. I just don't think he's one of those players yet. And that's okay. That's okay, guys. Tatum does not have to be a top five player yet. He's also only 24. Okay. He's not even in his prime yet. Like give him time to, yeah. let's see what he can become. He might actually develop a post. I don't think he is because his game up until this point has gotten him now to the finals. And for a lot of players, if it's not broke, they're not going to yeah, fix exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so, he came back. He came back one, one summer. And I think this is after training with Kobe. And it was the most frustrating thing to watch of him. And I'll say he's taken this out of his game. So like, maybe there's some hope. I'd never seen a player take so many step back long twos or take a three and take a step forward to make sure it was a long two. Like, I don't know what his obsession is with a mid range game, but like, 
and it's, it's improved. It's better. He's he's now taking the threes. I think Brad Stevens got it into his head. But like, that's the level of player that we're talking about. We're like, we have to change these things. It's going to happen slowly. He has been improving. I will say he's improved in all of these aspects of his game over time. But Yasmin, you're right. These were conversations that we've been having with him for forever. And he's still young. He still has time to grow. But I want to say, do you guys think, I mean, I've been thinking about this. Do you think that we have these conversations with Tatum because he is the next great American hope? And because his game is aesthetically pleasing, right? Like it's different. Um, like this is the type of basketball that old heads love because this is retro basketball, right? Like this is someone who it's it's not unethical basketball where you're just taking a bunch of threes or you're just throwing your arms into guys and living at the free throw line. This you know, is the type of yeah, basketball that's about footwork. Like. And, it's about yeah. footwork. It's a mid-range game. It's a game that like DeMar Rosen has, but better. Like it's a game that Paul George has. Paul George. To me, I said, if I was going to make a movie and I was going to cast someone to be my lead as a basketball player, Paul George is that Paul person. George. Paul George Absolutely. is the, like, like just like if I had to build a basketball player, it's Paul George. I mean, if I had to build a basketball player for my team, it's Precious Achua. But if I had to build a basketball player for like a movie to tell people this is what basketball is, it's very much Paul George. And it's exactly the way that he plays. I think he has the smoothest game in the league, um, too. And I think that's why people really like Jason Tatum is he has all of those things. And he's also American. And like we can pivot to this conversation now about this like need for American greatness. And I a hundred percent think it's about and um the style I, of play is very American. You're right. It's it's, a, it's very oh, yeah. like you think about the best foreign players, they basically kind of invented their own style of basketball. For sure. Because they may not have grown up watching the same figures. They might have grown up watching like their local town and heroes. And they have play. different builds. And they have different builds, right? Like yeah. um, in order to be scouted in Africa, you need to have the body of a Pascal Siakam, right? Like Pascal Siakam scouted to play basketball. Why? Because Pascal yeah. Siakam looks like Pascal Siakam. And <laughs> to be a European, how many Europeans do we have that are seven feet tall? That's uh, Seemingly yeah. all of them, right? Yeah. Like you very rarely get the six, seven forward. Exactly. From exactly. Europe. They're not going to bring you to America because you have like Kobe's footwork. Like what? No. <laughs> they're going to bring you because you <laughs> are a freak of nature. Home, right? They're not going to. Yeah. They're not gonna they spot you on the American type player with a European or anything. They're going to spot you happen. going walking to church because you're built like Jokic because you're exactly. Built like and also, in order to get Kobe's footwork, in order to get this stuff, that's reps. That's a player who wasn't scouted to play basketball. That's a player, That's a player who's, been, who's playing been playing basketball since, since he was he six. Could walk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Like exactly it's, it's a it completely is. different thing. Like there's a reason why Kyrie has the best handle in the game or Steph has the best handle in the game. Steph's father is a basketball player. Kyrie's been dribbling with a bag, a plastic bag over a basketball like he was AI since he was a toddler, right? Like th- these are skills that come with repetition. These are skills that come with like growing up wanting to play basketball, making it your career. And that's not something that um, European or African um, players ever really have. I think yeah, it's also it this like, mm-hmm. idea, I think, with a lot of American watchers that want to keep the sport American. They don't want it to expand. Um, I think they have this mentality kind of like within football that America's kind of all that matters. Um, and it's kind of irritating for me because I think they even forget that technically basketball is international. They have an international team in the Raptors. They've talked about expanding further, even though Adam Silver recently said that he doesn't know if they're going to, the expansions that they've been talking about are actually going to happen. I think I just, there's this like American exceptionalism 
mm-hmm. and they want all the talented players to be American. They want all the MVPs to be American. They want the sport to remain American. And and I, I think it really shows in the way that they talk about the sport. But they got to realize. Um, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, they got to realize that basketball, NBA basketball is not American football. If you want to keep NBA basketball in America, it's going to fail like immediately. <laughs> like it's not going to get viewership. It's not going to get the merch sales. It's not going to have its success. The reason why the NBA um, is, in my opinion, standing is because of the international dollars that it has today. Like it's sure. gained so much popularity in the last several years in China. Its popularity in Africa is increasing. They have a Japan, whole league setting up India. there. Japan. Exactly. Like it's gaining this international recognition in Canada. Basketball is huge in Canada now. Yo. And it only got like that in the last, I'd say, like Shout out to uh, Slam Magazine. So. You can find me and Yasmin's piece in it. Gang, gang. Yes, Slam Magazine issue 001, Slam Canada. Um, but yeah, like it's it's these international dollars, this international popularity that makes it unique from American football because that's a comparison, you know. Without can it, say- it just pales in comparison. For sure. But can I say, I think the biggest issue here is the NCAA and AAU. Because yeah, that's what, what ends up to. happening <laughs> is, is if we're looking at the biggest MVPs, the finals MVPs, the teams that are running things, if it's Luca, if it's Giannis, if it's um, these guys who did not go to college basketball, now why do Americans feel like they need to join an NCAA team when like they can go be making money as a pro elsewhere, take a year off, do what Brandon Jennings did, do what LaMelo Ball did, do what all these other Americans have done before. Why do they need to go to the NCAA? That is a multi-billion dollar corporation. They do not like the fact that the best players don't come from their programs. They would much prefer if all the best players went through their schools, which is probably why we see Embiid get more love as uh, a non-American American because he is yeah. an American citizen is because he went to Kansas, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And that's why a lot of the Canadians are not considered international players because all of the Canadians, every Canadian I know went to a prep school in America. Every went Canadian Duke I know RJ, went yeah. to, yeah, like, and, and ended up going to Kansas or Duke or any of these other top American schools. That's why they're not considered necessarily a foreign players because they went through the same systems. And it's the same thing with AAU. I don't know if it's a multi-billion dollar corporation, but it's close enough. Like it's, it's still incredibly expensive. And like, honestly, like to me, every time I watch the All-Star game and I've seen all these young kids, I'm like, oh, like AAU is really for middle-class America because we're seeing, <laughs> we're seeing like. That's a like lot. a whole nother conversation. That's a whole different, a whole, it's a whole different conversation. Like, like we're going to reach a point. Seeing, we're going to reach a point where every player is like a kid of another player. That's the point the NBA is going to reach. That point. We've almost gotten to that point. Light bright NBA I have a question, is, is big and bad right now. Yeah. I have a, a question. So in terms of Canadian basketball, is the next mm-hmm. step developing our our college and university programs um to rival AAU? Um, is that what we need to do to kind of develop um talent here? Or is that just not a possibility? I don't think we're gonna have enough programs to develop that kind of talent here, but is that the next move um, that uh, Canadians make uh, to develop our talent here is making so. sure that our, our programs are up to par? I think we need to stop sending high school. Like, I mean, like at this point, we just don't have the infrastructure to keep high school kids in Toronto or, you know, Vancouver, wherever else. But I think if we had um, something that could rival the prep high schools that exist in America, if we could, and I don't know if it's an AAU system necessarily, because I don't know how much AAU benefits, but like, I don't, I don't really understand. To me, it just feels it feels like money. Um, but high schools, prep schools, and like 
even universities. I like, sure, why not? But to me, like, the university idea is is too far gone. Like, I think that that could be something that's like well down the line just because, and, and maybe I'm wrong, like, please, someone listening, let me know. I, I hope I'm wrong, but the NCAA is a billion dollar corporation, right? And like, there are too many teams where like you can field the most competitive, you know, Carlton basketball team. And Carlton is, is I think the best men's basketball team in Canada. You can field the most competitive version of that, but like, they're not going to go up against Anthony Davis. They're not going to go up against the Marcus Cousins. There's no Kentucky for them to play unless they go and play Kentucky. And I do believe American schools do come here for a one-off game, but it's kind of similar to like the Raptors playing Maccabi Tel Aviv in a preseason game and not so much like a game that matters. It's no March Madness. It's, it's nothing like that. So I think that like maybe for colleges and universities to get to that point, we're probably a little bit too far off right now. It could certainly be something in the future, but I do think in terms of young kids growing up and going through the circuit and going through everything, why not? Like, why not? Why can't Canada have something similar to that? Especially because like now it's only a certain type of kid that can go to the States. You have to have like some level of privilege to be able to go and do that. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like they, I feel like something that's within reach is them designating a couple of prep schools and a couple of universities to these sort of things, Mm. just kind of scaling it for um, population, because obviously Mm -hmm. the entire country can't establish this with a population the size of like um, California, you know, but what I think they can do is designate a couple universities and a couple of prep schools um, that can be known for developing these sort of things or developing these sort of players to give them the avenue and to give them some sort of scholarship avenue to get to these points. And that way, also the American um, uh, development coaches and everything and scouts would be able to know, okay, if we want Canadian players, which there is a plethora of, Canada has so much talent, we can go to these specific institutions to watch them. But You know what I mean? I feel like that's more doable. My only thing is, if, and I I stopped paying attention to all of this nonsense because I think it's all nonsense, but like if the NCAA allows players um, to profit off their likeness, why would a Canadian who's of Andrew Wiggins caliber or any of these top Canadian players choose to stay in Canada if they can go to America and profit off their likeness and they can play for a big time school there. Like, I think the, it, I guess it starts small and we start with the players who like, maybe like we're not starting with the Andrew Wiggins level, like, you know, number one pick right away. Um, But like, it's going to be really hard to rival the NCAA once players are making money. But also, I feel like it's a risk for any state. If your state that's doesn't true. have a big school, they can still end up going to the more, you know, the legacy institutions. That's so true. I feel like that's, you know, as long as um, I and also I feel like uh, there's so many I feel like Canadian players who want to stay in Canada. Mm. You know, like I I, 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 I firmly believe that if they were given the option of playing and and having um, the scout attention and having the opportunity to play their American counterparts, they would still remain in Canada, you know, just I'm with they, that. They, you got to uproot your life to restart in another, like the, they're losing their friends, their family. I feel like a lot of them would rather stay um, unless they were see- like, unless they're like an Andrew Wiggins and an RJ. Yeah. Barrett. Like, who and, and, and maybe that? like, who cares about going after that? I think you would just start with what we have right now. And then it exactly. can eventually grow to the point where you're developing your number one overall picks. And also we're seeing the, um, we're seeing excitement for Canada. Like, I mean, I've never seen the CBL talked about as much as it is now. And like, granted, yes, we're talking about Jalen Harris, former Raptor, but like, that's a major step. That's a major get. We're talking about J. Cole, international superstar. Sure, major get, major sell. 
But like we're seeing interest for Canadian basketball in Canada that we've never seen before. And it's only starting to grow. And to me, the most exciting part of this is we're starting to see women's basketball really grow as well, where I'm getting talked to like talked to and people asking about real women's basketball in Canada. So I think that's really, really dope. Um, and things are just continuing to grow. And I think the Raptors winning a championship um, next year in 2023, like I'm calling right now because all these other teams are fraudulent will just make it continue to grow. So that's my conference finals, at least <laughs> conference finals, finals are bust. Exactly. Um, we just need an Al Horford. <laughs> yeah, I I just want to quickly say that Scotty, I know it's it's you know the off season and it's an empty gym, but he looks bigger. His shot no, looks smoother. Dandy, we're not I doing just, this. Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited. You don't understand. I just I'm like mentally in the next season. Okay. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I just, yeah. It's not even. Basketball's not even done. It's not. Even, I know. I can't help it. I'm just so over. excited. No, anyway, after round one. Season. After round one, I'm like, when's preseason? I think so. Like, I'm like, not like, here I, I keep saying that. Like, I, I watch these games thinking about like how the Raptors would fare against all of these teams. And I think I was talking to Will about this, and we were like, these teams are fraudulent, bro. Um, <laughs> but also, like, the Raptors are not that far off. Like, I'm not saying like obviously 2023 championship is um you know mighty aspirations, but. The Raptors are really not that far off, and I'm really excited to see what they can do. Pascal Siakam finally has an offseason to work on his game, something he hasn't had since the championship year. That's and crazy. Championship Honestly, year, when you think about it, was it. Pascal, we're so proud of you. We're so we proud love of you. you. Last year, we hopefully just need Fred, need Fred healthy. I think I've, you know, I know, I think everyone here, I think everyone on the pod has been a really big proponent of like the Raptors need to get someone else who can handle the ball, someone else who can shoot. So we're taking less of a load on Fred Van Vliet and hopefully he can be healthy because what I saw from my guys, Kyle and Fred is when you're an undersized point guard and you're dealing with they even a you. minor injury <laughs> and you're dealing with even a minor injury. It will be a very major problem. Chris Paul is another example of this. It's just, it's not great. So uh, hopefully Fred Van Vliet can get healthy and the Raptors can get some help for him there. But like, I'm really excited about precious. I'm really excited about uh, OG, hopefully having a healthy season. That's all I want for him. And um, I mean, you already said it with Scotty there. Like, Guys, the limit with this team. I'm really, really excited. I didn't even mention Gary. Um, so yeah, this Raptors team will be really good. Hopefully, they can bring in another guy. Chris Boucher hopefully stays. And then I think, like, yo, yo, I just like got really excited thinking about this team. And I'm sorry, I know I'm talking too much, but like they could be so scary if Precious's three-point shot wasn't a fluke and is like actually legit. And Pascal comes back with a better three-point shot. Like they can be so much better. OG, you just need you to work on your handle. I don't need to see any Jalen Brown out there. Um, also, <laughs> I can't believe we we went this whole podcast without talking about Jalen Brown, who's been the Celtics' second best player behind Al Horford this entire playoffs run. So he's been cut, he's, 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 he's he can't dribble still. Like his dribbling is dribbling still. Sure. But Jalen has been really impressive. His his so passing is better than Tatum's. Like he's a sure. better distributor than yeah. Tatum. Like yeah, he might insane. turn it over. Like people were like, you know, he only he had five assists in the last game from like four turnovers. <laughs> like like yeah, even he in his turn game, over which was which was like perfect. I'm like, still um yeah his handles the one thing that he needs to work on this offseason. But Jalen Brown is phenomenal. That yeah, and it's not even stuck. the handle I think it's what someone mentioned this is the ball protection. Like he's just really bad at dodging those reachins. He can't yeah, come. Yeah, he needs to do what Kyrie Irving did: take a plastic bag, put it over a basketball, and learn to get that firm grip on it. 
cup yeah, basketball, like, sir. So someone can't just take <laughs> he's it been, out of He's hand. been fantastic. I, so I go so far going in the series. If Tatum keeps up the the you know so so play and ends up with Finals MVP, I'm protesting that. I'm starting a Me hashtag. too. That's light skin privilege. <laughs> that is that is there is something wrong. That's light skin privilege. That's something Al Horford deserves a light skin privilege. Al Horford deserves a light skin privilege. I know the Tatum stands will be mad as hell about that. But. Play better. <laughs> All right, guys. That's so we're going right, to say bye. We'll check in with you guys next week. Hopefully moving on in this series. We'll see what the what the turnout is. If, if it flips, if Boston has like an 0-3 lead or whatever, like, or Boom. who knows? Like, it's not out of the universe. It's uh, going no, to be the Warriors <laughs> winning in five. Let's go. I dumb. need that. I, that's go. the ideal outcome for me. Let's go. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Take care.